This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Dave Woodard. Well, it's not all doom and gloom today, especially right now. We welcome in Toronto Police Inspector Chris Boddy. Uh, welcome. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, Dave. Great. How are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Inspector Boddy is actually joining me to take your calls on anything you want to know about policing. Yes. Uh, anything you want to talk about in regards to the city in terms of policing, and now is your chance, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-744-740. So I'll start things off. Uh, how long have you been policing in Toronto, and where did you get your start? Well, actually, I'm just uh, beginning my 26th year as a police officer with the Toronto Police Service, and I started my career in the in 33 Division, actually, in the York Mills, Don Mills area. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, what what drew you to policing in general? Well, you know what, my uh, father and grandfather were both firefighters in the city of Toronto, yeah. and uh, I felt like uh, public service was uh, something for me. And uh, you know, I felt like I've already been a firefighter because you hear all the war stories over at the right. dinner table about firefighting. So I thought I'd mix it up and uh, try to join the police service. And uh, very thankfully, I was able to uh, get hired on, and here we are today. Yeah. What was the what was the procedure like? back then in terms of getting into Toronto? Because I know uh, the procedure to get into uh, police across the province, especially in some of the smaller jurisdictions, it's not as easy because they are not hiring as many as, say, a city like Toronto. So what was it like getting in 26 years ago? Right. Well, you know, 26 years ago, we were we were hiring uh, quite a bit. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, our hiring process really hasn't changed from now since back then, but the only difference now is, as you probably know, we are in a hiring freeze, the Toronto Police Service. Right. We are going undergoing a, a transformational change. You've probably heard about that in the news. Uh, earlier this year, we released a midterm report. The transformation team released a midterm report, and uh, we're going to be having a final report coming up uh, end of January. And I would really encourage people right now, if, if you are interested, go on to our Toronto Police website, and you're able to pull up the uh, midterm transformational report and it'll give you sort of some of the ideas that we want to change moving forward because basically you know a lot of the things that we've done uh, now we did 26 years ago and there are some things that we're going to have to change uh, leverage technology uh, looking at whether or not we need the number of police stations that we have right. uh, for instance so uh, everything's on the table and we want to uh, we want to make sure that we're delivering our services the best that we possibly can. Sure. We're taking calls with Inspector Chris Boddy from Toronto Police, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now, I met you through social media at first. Right. Um, you tweet a lot. <laughs> you, <laughs> you put a lot of things on Twitter. In fact, I was looking at it earlier today. You have something like 67,000 messages on Twitter. Um, you have 39,000 followers. Um, 
Why social media? Well, that's something that we didn't do, obviously, 26 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you know what? It's a great way to, to connect with people. And, you know, uh, we need the people's assistance in order for policing to work in this city or any other city for that matter. And a great way to connect with people, to let people know that, you know, cops are just like them. Yeah. That, uh, social media is, is a great tool to reach people. And it also, you know, let's face it, most people don't have any interactions with a police officer. Uh, they might be intimidated to call if they need to report something. Right. Uh, with social media, you know, knowing that they can reach out to myself or we have a number of other officers that are on social media, various different platforms, uh, it gives a, a little bit of an ease. And, uh, you know, they might. I, what we want to think is that, you know, I see these cops on social media. They're pretty cool. I think I'm going to call to report ABC in my neighborhood. Right. You know, the police officers, we don't hear the gunfires very often. Yeah. Uh, we need people to phone us. And uh, if we don't phone, people don't phone us, it's hard for us to keep the city safe. Yeah. Now, a lot of people might have uh, heard your name before in the news. They wouldn't necessarily uh, know you from social media before then. But back in 2013, Katie Couric retweeted one of your tweets. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, it was. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit of a background. Yeah. My son that uh, my son that year uh, started his very first year in uh, Trenton, uh, playing junior A hockey for the Trenton Golden Hawks, and uh, it was the first day of school. He was actually completing his grade twelve out in Trenton, uh, a brand new school out there for him. And uh, you know, I was thinking, I was actually on my way down in, into the city on the GO train. And I was just thinking back, you know, my son going to a brand new school uh, for the first time, doesn't know anybody, and reflected to the times that, you know, when I was in school and as well as, you know, working in schools, you know, you're always going to see that uh, often you see uh, one or two people that don't automatically fit in. Uh, and during the unstructured time, it's difficult for them. So oftentimes you'd see them sitting in the cafeteria alone during the lunch hour. So right. the message was, um, you know, if, if you see a kid sitting alone in the cafeteria, go up to him or her, say hi, make them feel welcome, that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, that resonated with a lot of people. So Sure. And it's not the first time that anything's gone viral that you've sent. But that one, uh, I just checked actually just before we went to air, had something like 5,800 retweets and something like 4,500 favorites yeah. on Twitter. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that um, – Twitter is a little controversial to some people in the sense that not everybody's on it. Not everybody does things on it. And some people do some pretty terrible things on social media, Absolutely. too. Um, and I think that's why it's really uh, important to have somebody uh, like yourself sending out really positive me messages um, on social media. Um, so not everybody is on uh, Twitter or Facebook, uh, but you post a lot, like we were talking about right. on there. Um now, what is it about social media that you like so much? It's easy. Yeah. And in this, uh, in this environment, it's cost effective. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't cost anything, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I think uh, that's one of the main reasons. And I kind of just fell into it. I never thought five years ago that I'd be talking about Twitter or yeah. Facebook or Instagram. Uh, so back in 2011, uh, the service... Um, really started to uh, embrace social media. So we okay. began to train our people, and I just wanted to learn it just because I wanted to know what right. was there, right? And then it just kind of fell into it.
Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things for me, um, you know, my uh, being in the newsroom, not just here, but other radio stations as well. One of the things that I really appreciate about, you know, some police officers is they do uh, do a lot on Twitter and they are able to send out a lot. And sometimes communication can sometimes get missed. And that's why, uh, for me, Twitter is such a huge thing. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Dave Woodard. Thanks for joining us today. Inspector Chris Boddy from Toronto Police in studio taking your phone calls. Uh, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. And uh, straight to the phones we go. Ellen in Scarborough, you have a question. Yeah, um, I'd like to know, when I'm driving along the highway, I try to keep the proper speed and everything and leave at least a car length between me and the cars in front. But how do I maintain that? Because people, as soon as they see a space, they pop in front of me or they come up behind me and they flash their lights so that I'm not going fast enough. And it's getting to the point that I'm becoming terrified driving along the highway. Yeah, well, thanks for the question. And that is a challenge. But, you know, what I would say is uh, you are driving exactly the way you should be. Uh, it is in- intimidating when people, you know, flash their lights behind you, want you to go, to go quicker. But the bottom line is uh, you drive to your capabilities and you, you follow the the speed limit and, and you're doing exactly what you can. If, if uh, people are driving that dangerously, uh, if you're able to, if somebody's in the car with you, you're able to call 911 uh, to report that. Or if you have a license plate, uh, you can always go home and report that dangerous mm-hmm. driving as well. In the city of Toronto, actually, uh, you can you can report uh, dangerous driving or any kind of driving complaints right online. It, it's not really dangerous per se because I'm the slowest one on the highway. Right. Well, as long as you're driving the speed limit, uh, you're doing the right thing. Uh-huh. Thanks for doing that. Thanks, Ellen, for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I was uh, driving on the highway with my uh, 13-year-old son the other day, and he said... Uh, uh, you know, why are people, you know, going different speeds? And I said, well, I said, by the law, I said, you're supposed to be uh, either in the right-hand lane or the middle lane if it's a three-lane highway. The left-hand lane is for passing. The right-hand lane is for slow drivers. I said, but so many people, whether it has to do with population or not, myself included, just travel along in the left-hand lane because it's easy. You know, you don't have to worry about if somebody's going slower uh, or if, you know, some... But people come up behind you. I had the, the, the case this morning where somebody came up behind me, was going at least 140, and came around me in, on the right-hand side. Now, in that case, if I were to call... Uh, if I was say it was on the Gardner or the DVP, which are both under Toronto Police jurisdiction, right. um, if I called... Uh, Toronto Police or three one one. What would what would happen? Well, you know, you wouldn't call three one one if no. it's an emergency nine one one. And uh, if we had an, an officer available or a car in the area, we would definitely check that out. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you do have a license plate, we can uh, send a letter to the the registered owner of that vehicle to tell them that they're uh, they were noticed driving dangerously. Uh, or we could even send an officer to the uh, registered owner's address to see if somebody's home. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, some of the things that I wanted to ask you about, uh, in the last couple of years, a lot of things have kind of come up. Uh, one of the major issues that I've seen in terms of Toronto policing um, is body cameras. Right. Um, now, Toronto police, as far as I know, they decided not to go with 
body cams full time, correct? Right. Well, just so your listeners know, it's not Chris body cams. It's body cams. <laughs> B O D Y cams. Right. So, right. Right. Don't not to get confused. Not your cameras. Not my cameras. Got no, it. Body cameras. So uh, we did a pilot project um, with uh, three of our divisions uh, last year. It ended. Uh, I believe it, it ended uh, early this year. Uh, we put a re- report out, made public through the uh, Toronto Police Services Board meeting, and uh, we're still looking into it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of positives, and there's some concerns as well, you know. But you know, I I suspect uh, moving forward, you know, in the years to come, that we will be embracing that technology. I mean, they use it uh, in many places throughout the United States, and it's a benefit for both the the community and and the police officers and so you know i, I think i think they're probably a, a good thing to think about moving forward and you know we have uh in-car cameras so all, right. our, all our scout cars mark police vehicles have in-car cameras and we've had that uh probably 10 years now yeah so what what is the the drawback to body cameras right now what what are people what what's what's the word on uh from the front line what what's the drawback uh well Really, the, one of the drawbacks right now is the, the cost. Oh, uh, right. The cost of uh, outfitting. You know, we have 5,000-plus police officers right now, and, of course, they're not all on the road at the same time. But, uh, you know, that's a number, of, a number of devices. And also the storage of this, of this technology as well. You know, the, the, the cost of storage right now is very expensive to, to, to store all these images. Uh, you can imagine uh, just on a one shift of a police officer, you could have... You know, he or she could have you know ten hours of, of video captured right. there, and then you know you have to store that. All kinds of issues about how long yeah. do you store it, uh, how do you disclose it, uh, all okay. little things that need to be worked out. But you know, I'm confident that uh, you know, in, in sometime in the future, we'll probably be going in that direction. Okay, we're taking your calls here on Zoomer Radio AM 740. This is Fight Back with Libby Snymer. I'm Dave Woodard filling in today. Uh, we're sitting with uh, Toronto Police Inspector Chris Boddy, um, who will take your questions on anything policing related. One of the main issues uh, in the last little while, especially uh, for our listeners, is pedestrian deaths. Uh, we know that there have been uh, a record um, amount of pedestrian deaths. Uh, I think we're at the the highest rate in the last 13 years. Correct. Um, what is being done uh, in terms of traffic, uh, in terms of trying to get people to slow down, and tr- in terms of trying to 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 really stop the bloodshed? Right. Well, you know what, traffic safety is a priority of the Toronto Police Service, and it has been probably since I joined the job 26 years yeah. ago. And, you know, seeing, uh, seeing these stats that we've had in, 20, uh, in 2016 it is disturbing, and it's upsetting, and it's frustrating. You know, we have, uh, we have traffic officers out there every single day. Our divisions have uh, officers out there uh, conducting traffic enforcement. We have several uh, traffic initiatives throughout the year, and a lot of them focus on pedestrian safety. So uh, when, we, when we see these kind of numbers, it's troubling. But, uh, you know, we're going to keep, uh, keep working with the community, keep working with drivers, and keep educating people. You know, you have to really be safe on our roadways, whether you're a motorist, a cyclist, or a pedestrian. Yeah, who's to blame? You know, I mean, that's, that's the huge question. You know, who's, who is it the drivers who are just, you know, uh, uh, singularly focused on getting where they're going? Is it the cyclists because they don't stop at stop signs? Is it pedestrians because uh, they're listening to their, their, their phones? Or, or what, what is, what's the case? Well, you know, road safety is a shared uh, responsibility. 
And, uh, you know, it's hard to pinpoint uh, blame on, you know, whether you're a pedestrian, motorist, or a cyclist. Uh, but let's face it, every time there is a collision, somebody's made a mistake. Right. And, uh, you know, if you're a pedestrian, uh, even if it's not your mistake, if the driver made a mistake, that's not going to help you very much if you're underneath a vehicle, obviously. So, I mean, we really tell people you got to be safe, especially in intersections. You know, pedestrians, as you're crossing the street, before you cross the street, even if the light's green, make sure there aren't any cars coming, especially a car making a right-hand turn. Uh, make eye contact with that driver so you know that the driver sees you and proceed safely and cautiously. Victor in Etobicoke, you have a question about dump trucks. Yes. Uh, how you doing, guys? Good. Yourself? Good, good. Listen, I got something for the police officer. I, I'm a dump truck driver. Yep. Okay, and um, I, I don't like driving uh, by the load. Like, you've got to hustle. Now, when, when you got a load of 22, 24 tons on your back, and you've got to go weaving in and out, in and out, to do four loads to make 10 hours, I'm telling you, that, that, that's a problem. I refuse to work that way, and I lose a lot of jobs that way, but I like to work by the hour. But for me to work by the load, it's very dangerous, and I think, you know, we got to stop that. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point uh, for sure. Yeah, we would, uh, you know, we want we don't want people to be uh, speeding and weaving in and out of uh, traffic just so you can uh, dump that load and go back to pick up another one. That's obviously obviously unsafe. So we obviously encourage uh, your fellow drivers not to do that. And, you know, quite frankly, I see a lot of of uh, uh, truck drivers, dump truck drivers in the city of Toronto, and you know, for the most part, what I see, they seem to be driving. Uh, fairly safely and fairly responsibly, but you know, I, I thank you for uh, for being diligent out there and uh, helping us keep our city safe. Thanks, Victor. Okay. Thanks, Appreciate Victor. that. Thank you, bye. Take care. Uh, that's a great question because I know you know, dump trucks. Yeah, they get paid by the load sometimes, and uh, transport truck drivers get paid by the kilometer. Uh, is that is that an issue in terms of uh, getting people uh, while well, going too fast through the city streets? Yeah. So you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, all kinds of vehicles uh, uh, can go too fast. And, sure. But, you know, as far as the the truck loads and, uh, you know, the hours drivers are driving, uh, we don't see a lot of that in the city of Toronto. Those are typically our friends at right. the OPP that are on the 400 series highways. But, yeah. uh, you know, I can tell you, that, you know, most of these, uh, I would call them professional drivers, all the, all the truck drivers, dump truck yes. drivers, whatever you have. And, and when I see them drop, operating in the city of Toronto, I see them, for the most part, being very respectful, following uh, the rules of the road. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on one thing before we go back to the phones. Uh, New Year's Eve yes. coming up very soon. It is. Uh, and one of the major things that Toronto police will be looking for, not just at this time of the year, but specifically this time of the year, Drinking and driving. Absolutely, you know. So we have our uh, our holiday ride program going on right now, which is an, an enhanced version of our ride program that we have, 12 months of the year, uh, 365 days of the year. And uh, you know, it's troubling again. You know, this year we've had over 1,300 people that have been arrested for impaired driving. Uh, I don't know why people will continue to do it. Uh, they know that there's a very good chance if they drink and drive, they're going to be caught. Uh, by Toronto Police uh, driving on our streets. So we really want to remind people, you know, especially with the, you know, we're past the Christmas season now, but coming up to New Year's Eve, you know, officers are going to be out not only in the night, but during the day of New Year's. And also, uh, we do ride programs in the morning, too, because, you know, a lot of people, if they're going to get 
uh, you know, hammered up the night before. Uh, they can't. They think they can get up after a couple hours sleep, and they think they're safe to go behind the wheel. And that's not the case. It takes, you know, up to 12 hours to uh, have wow. alcohol free from your system. So yeah, I think that's one of the big things. Is that I, I remember um, not necessarily here in Toronto, but uh, when I was working uh, out west, we would hear about stories from the weekend about people getting picked up on drunk driving charges um, who were out at you know nine, ten in the morning, and you think. What kind of a drinker you have to be? But that's what you said. Exactly. If you're drinking a lot the night before, mm-hmm. it takes a long time for it to get out of your system. And people don't necessarily recognize that. Yeah, 100%. People think that they can uh, put their head on the pillow for a couple of hours after uh, drinking. And uh, that's not always it's not always the case. Uh, what about, uh, I know that they were just testing out these... Uh, um, these new uh, for the drug and yeah drug impaired? for the yeah. drug impaired yeah what can you t- tell us about that yeah so I, I wasn't uh, I haven't been involved in that uh, specifically but I know that the province has come out with a device uh, it's a, a saliva test where uh, drivers um, you know will submit to a, a saliva test to see what kind of or if they have certain types of drugs in their system I know it was a, a pilot project right, right. now uh, I know the officers were uh, getting voluntary checks. And uh, the results from that, I don't know, and I believe it's still ongoing. So, Okay. Well, we'll yeah. keep on top of that, yeah. too. Suzanne in Oakville, you had a comment about pedestrian safety. Yes, hello. Um, I have a suggestion, and uh, I think it would make a great deal of sense in terms of uh, pedestrians being uh, hit, especially by cars turning right on either green or red. I think that uh, the Highway Traffic Act ought to be changed where the drivers must not be permitted to make a right-hand turn on a green light. I believe this is the way it is in the States. Whenever I have traveled behind <clears throat> excuse me, a car from New York, for example, and uh, that car was signaling to turn left, but it was stopped at the red light, that person did not turn right. Okay. And I think that their laws are such that they're not permitted to turn right on a green light. Right. So do you mean not to turn right on a red light or a green light? She left. Uh, I think think what she was saying was turning right on a red light. And uh, I think one of the things, um, they do that in Montreal, I know. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know what the statistics are, but and I don't really know uh, what the benefits would be. But I know that there's been a change in the last year in terms of crosswalks. But those don't apply to the ones with the lights, right? Uh, You mean the... um what kind of crosswalks? Inter- like intersections. It doesn't. So there, the law is in crosswalks. You have to wait until everybody's right. fully crossed. That's right. But that so, doesn't apply at intersections? No. No, it doesn't apply at intersections. Yeah. So just to be clear, the, the crosswalks, as you're talking about, is, you know, somebody pushes the lights, the, uh, the lights flash yellow, and pedestrians are allowed to cross. So it used to be that you were able to proceed once the pedestrian crossed your vehicle lane or your vehicle path. Right. Now the pedestrians, the new law is that the pedestrians have to completely cross the street and then vehicles can, can carry on. But does that take effect in an intersection, say, at, I don't know, yeah, signalizes intersections. The rules there haven't changed. Okay, all yeah. right. And I think that's a big uh, um, 
question for a lot of drivers. I remember actually not long ago uh, coming up to a, a major intersection and somebody wanted to turn right, but they thought that they had to wait. Is that Are, are you finding a lot of confusion on, on that rule yet? Um, on at signalizing yeah. stations? No, not, I, I haven't okay. personally. Um, I'm not sure what our statistics are overall. I haven't heard a lot of uh, haven't heard a lot of complaints about that. But um, yeah, not as far as I know, it hasn't been a big issue. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of New Year's Eve is that you're going to be at Nathan Phillips Square. That's right. We're going to be at Nathan Phillips Square. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, usually about fifty thousand people get packed in there. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.